I was effusive with how good an idea it was. I was like, it's the right balance between fruity and, you know, strong. <laughs> we have a wonderful guest for you today on Down Round. Mm-hmm. He needs no introduction. Actually, he does. He's not that famous. <laughs> He's really not that famous. <laughs> we have today with us Michael Isaac from the New York Times. He's a technology correspondent at the Times. He is the author of the book Super Pumped about the rise of Uber. You may have read it. You may have seen the uh, Showtime adaptation. <laughs> Pause for applause. Was it faithful <laughs> to the original? Uh, yes and no. There's definitely Hollywood has its own vision, but they definitely hewed pretty close to to the text, I think, in some ways. Mike is a tech reporter at New York Times. He's on leave at the moment writing a book about everybody's favorite company, Facebook or Meta, (laughs) Meta slash Facebook. How is that going, Mike? How is the the Facebook odyssey? I hate it. I hate writing books. I don't know why why I'm doing this again. I don't know if y'all have ever attempted, but it's just, it's pure hell. I mean, like, just, you know, like the, the hell of writing an article, but every day um and longer so and longer yeah and deeper yeah, yeah without also the instant feedback of like people reading it and giving you all of those like menchies and you get sort of <laughs> serotonin and oxytocin and everything boosting you i mean i don't even do this for the money i do it for that like and i don't of get course. those faves every day and <laughs> it it sucks that's uh <laughs> i need that instant validation <laughs> That's why I yeah, start tweeting more. Yeah. There'll be a while until that comes out, right? Actually, Monday was my first day back on the job, and the book is not at all done. So I'm going to uh-huh. still be like, uh, I'm back at work, but got to basically write the rest of it at night. So not till probably next year, basically. It takes a very long time for books to come out also. Yeah, totally. I've like, heard. I've heard like even like once it's written, it just, you've got like a year or something, right? Literally like nine to 12 months of lead time on how, like Super Pumped when I finished it was like March of 2019. And then it was published in September of 2019. And that was supposedly lightning fast. That was like nine months away. And they usually need like at least a year or something. So it's a nightmare. These publishers have had it too good for too long. I agree. They're going to be disrupted. <laughs> by like Let's a Web3 company or something. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> um, obviously, Super Pumped was, I don't, think, I don't think it was necessarily the first book about Uber, but it's certainly like the first big one and with a huge sort of press around and what have you. Obviously, people have written about Facebook a lot. It's one yeah. of it's one of the companies people are most interested in. What What is your book about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, no, sure totally. I'm giving it to your point, Blake. No, it's. Uh, I've been trying to keep it kind of close to the chest. But no, I think to your point, a lot of folks have written a lot of words about Facebook. And a lot of folks I've talked to are like, why are you writing a Facebook book? Everyone's written Facebook books. There's more coming out. And uh, what I'm really interested in is a lot of the past few years, my colleagues did a really good um, book on Facebook and particularly around the election and disinformation. And obviously that stuff is important to the Facebook sort of like story and where they went. But I think there's a really good business story that is coming back into focus now um, where the company is in its lifeline. And um, and frankly, like they've been on top for such a long time. It's hard to imagine them struggling again or at least being in the risk of becoming irrelevant. But I think that that 
is more possible than ever, I guess, you know, like we're, we're yeah. in like an early stage of that, let's say, like maybe they're still printing billions of dollars a quarter. And, and, you know, the last earnings they had were their first time, I believe it was their first time, first or second where they missed profitability or they missed, they were unprofitable or something like that. But the very early part of that, but I think the arc of like relevance and irrelevance and how Mark wants to, Mark Zuckerberg wants to save that off if he can is like a classic tech story. And I really, I love the idea of companies that seem invincible, just suddenly not being so anymore, yeah. you know, especially in how things change so quickly in tech. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Three and a half years ago or whatever, four years ago, you go, okay, who are Facebook's biggest competitors? And once you take out, say Google or whatever, you're like, what, Snapchat, Twitter, and LinkedIn? Yeah. And Pinterest? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy how quickly it's just like, oh, you're being lapped right now. Getting your lunch eaten. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. You also hear this a lot, I guess, in kind of VC circles about like the death of the social app. And you can't really do these social apps anymore. And these big mass market apps for, that are free effectively and take ages to monetize. But like everyone just forgets that like TikTok obviously is showing that you can do that. You just need to. Mm. No, you can't do it if you're an American company. It just <laughs> seems to be the vibes. Like, oh, yeah, TikTok, but they're not American. Totally. Yeah. Are you guys on Be Real? We've been on Be Real. I think our first you, ever episode real? of this was Be Real. Yeah, we, our first episode like months ago was about Be Real. But Ooh. I guess I'm on Be Real, but I haven't opened no, it. No, I've completely fallen off using it. It's too oh, annoying. Shit. It's too oh, annoying, no. man. It's just like it pesters you. I've got, I literally, just as I say this, I got another notification. <laughs> so I didn't post today. <laughs> just reminding me that 12 other people have posted or whatever and nudging me to do it. It's the most annoying thing in the world. Yeah. Um, it was cool for a bit, but then you realize all of my friends are just desk jockeys. Every, <laughs> right. every photo they post is them with their work from home set up. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes they'll take a photo of like a funny window on their screen. It's very depressing. It's, it's, it does <laughs> at show least you I, how much life sucks. <laughs> life sucks. At least on Instagram you have like the... People pose, they, they make their lives look good. And yes, that gives teenagers depression. But I, feel, I think that's like, I think that's a, a really small price to pay for the sensation that people are doing things. Yeah. The forward motion of the universe. Can I just I go back to something you said earlier? Like, obviously, yeah, a bunch of books are written about Facebook and um, election, blah, 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 blah. What's your take on that? How influential do you reckon Facebook were on Trump, basically? It's funny because I've always been sort of skeptical on. Um, the the impact of Cambridge Analytica, which was obviously like this big watershed moment, but I think I think it was a watershed moment, particularly because I think it was how normal people understood how data was used and abused in certain ways inside of Facebook. But that at the same time, that Cambridge Analytica is not particularly unique compared to the rest of apps that also used and abused people's data on Facebook for a very long time. Uh, but I'm not a person who thinks that they were like mind controlling and had the secret sauce that sort of like swayed every voter in the country. Do I think that it is like a yet another factor that folks have been able to reach and get their messages out? Sure, for sure. Or do I think, I think it's like, frankly, a better organizing tool for parties and for like groups of folks. So like people who might not have been able to spread their ideas to one another laterally rather than like top down ads. But like, yeah. but yeah, like I'm not, there hasn't been to me like super concrete proof that if it weren't for Facebook, the election would have been entirely different or something like that. That's yeah, totally. My sort yeah, of yeah. Like Russia's $100,000 or whatever of ad spend or $1 million of ad spend didn't sway the election. That's sad. sad to hear. 
again. <laughs> no bang for your buck. This is why Facebook's going down the toilet. <laughs> um, they probably would have got better conversions than we do nowadays. Is it? Um, <laughs> I assume that now you're talking to, obviously you're talking to a bunch of people, previous and current Facebook employees about whatever's been going on. Sure. Uh, what's kind of the vibe there at the moment? Because obviously you're talking about <laughs> Besides transitional period. They're, no. they're kind of have to be hungry again. They're doing yeah. this metaverse stuff, mixed opinions on that. I assume yeah. internally as well. Yeah, totally, man. I remember when Zuckerberg had like sort of announced his, this was before they called it meta, but just sort of announced his intentions and obsession with the metaverse. I think he gave an interview to Casey Newton and like just was like talking about the metaverse. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Like it's total <laughs> digression. Like, do, do I have to care about this? And I really just, I thought it was just a joke or like wankery or something, but mm. It came so out of left field, I think, for a lot of employees. Their boss's, like, main obsession is this one thing. And for some folks in the company, for a decent fraction of folks, they're like, all right, cool, I'm on board, I want to do this. Or people, like, were already kind of working on that tech. And then for other folks, they're like, let me just do my work on WhatsApp and not have to strap this to my head. Like, that's not that's not why I came here, right? I don't think you can make people care that much about something that they haven't. Like, perhaps as tech improves or something, they may get more interested down the line. But it's hard to, like, force people to care about it, especially when it's your job. Is he, is he legit? Is Mark legit? Do you think he's, like, a true believer in yes. universe stuff? I think he's – and this is kind of what I get to in my book. I think he's – Something that's existential for Facebook is that it's never owned the platform, the ground beneath it, right? Yeah. We're seeing the fruits of that or the, the sort of effects of that now with Apple's privacy tracking changes and like uh, eventually Google's are going to be more more of a problem. And so I think part of it is him believing it because he fell in love with Ready Player One, the book, and bought Oculus because he wanted like like legitimately he did. and And then part of it is because... He has to sort of like this is his bet, next best chance at owning that ground, you know, and in some way, I think in his head, he knows like he's weak on smartphones as, as big as their market share is still kind of weak in the sense that Tim Cook can decide to do X and then totally screw the whole business overnight, basically. Yeah, he has to be a true believer. In the I think so. Yeah, I think it's necessity as well as like faith. That's unfortunate for him, I think. <laughs> I mean, you know, we we don't know. Well, I guess the Apple's. It's gonna be interesting what what angle Apple come at with the like AR stuff. Oh, like the headset things like that. Like, cause I mean, I'm not a true believer. Like I've said this publicly and openly. I obviously the metaverse sucks at the moment. I feel like that's almost objective. But every <laughs> yes. time someone tells me like, no, but this is what it will be able to do, it also sounds shit. Like it never actually sounds good. Um, so, I mean, that's my cards on the table. But like, you know, if <laughs> Apple kind of come with their AR and they have a certain angle, not that Apple get everything right, like especially when it comes to social. And I guess the metaverse is supposed to kind of be social in a way. Uh, yeah. I know AR is obviously different to the metaverse, et cetera, et cetera. But like if Apple come in with a certain angle that is business focused or meetings focused or whatever, it may mm. to a certain extent shed some light on exactly the direction that meta could go. Because at the moment, at least to me, it feels like, Sure, they've got the meeting room stuff and the business stuff and the corporate side of things, which is actually probably the most compelling thing from my perspective because your boss can force you to do it. And <laughs> then obviously like the social side of things, which that's far less compelling because like it relies on people actually wanting to use it and then inevitably paying for things inside it. And then I suppose like third is what gaming and actually really amazing games that everyone loves. 
all three of those don't seem like it's really happening yet. Gaming more because, you know, you can't jump. <laughs> well, no, so it's The true. cornerstone it, of gaming is, is jumping. Jumping and crouching are very important. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're the two core motions. Jump, crouch, kill. They're the three things you're doing. Well, games. they've got the kill, I reckon, because yeah. it's still got a button. That's, that's a thing. Killing's but that's good. not really metaverse, is it? It's still a button. Yeah, true. Right. true, 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 true. Well, the other thing I wanted to ask, which is kind of like angular to this as well. So your beat is basically big tech. It has been for a while. Yeah. Silicon Valley Big Tech. Is that accurate? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think I. they basically have me keep an eye on Facebook, but I'm fortunate in that I get to sort of say, hey, this is kind of interesting, or like we should pay attention to this and give me some freedom to like choose yeah. choose things, if that makes sense. Obviously now is kind of like a funny time in Silicon Valley at the moment. Yeah. Every company having to take a haircut with stuff, funding totally. is drying up, VC drying up, blah, 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 blah. How's, yeah. how's that vibe shift sort of felt from the ground in SV. It's uh, <laughs> in the big SV. It's wild because, well, I'm starting to realize I'm old. I'm 38, which, which is old here, I guess. I graduated into the recession and my first job was like an intern writing like tech stories like during the recession. And so like back then there were interesting sort of like feelings around desperateness to get a job and and obviously like I was lucky to even get an internship and there are a lot of kids now here experiencing that for the first time in a way you know like they're not used to a bear market we're not we're not in a recession yet but they're not used to like things not going up into the right all the time you know and mm-hmm. the money faucet being turned off or not necessarily being able to raise raise as easy as it might have been before or with the caveat that there is still a lot of money to be invested in a lot of companies are raising or certain companies are raising. It's just different. And the engineers and folks that I spoke to said the folks who are having a harder time are like entry level people, basically, who are trying to get the like first jobs inside of Facebook or Google or whatever. And um, the folks who are OK are like the the veterans who are going to get poached anyway, basically, I guess. You're not walking out of a computer science degree into a $400,000 Netflix <laughs> engineer job. Totally. Okay. Which, <laughs> which was the thing. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. And so I just feel like that's very different now compared to just a few years ago. But what about actual like vibes on the ground? Like I've heard in Florida, you know, the clubs aren't aren't popping anymore because <laughs> of the crypto winter. <laughs> yeah, I, like what's the what's the equivalent in like the world where these are actually businesses that aren't entirely Ponzi schemes. <laughs> I have not been to a a nightclub in probably a decade, so I'm bad. Okay. I'm bad on that. Just just put right, it well, out there. Probably, probably the same for a lot of these software but- engineers. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see that tweet? It was maybe today about someone calling Hayes Valley Cerebral Valley. Did you see that? I did see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I don't to... actually know what Hayes Valley is. You yeah. have to paint a picture here. But that's where all the AI startups are, right? So Hayes Valley is in San Francisco. It's basically just a little mini neighborhood that young but rich people go to. Or like, like I lived in the Mission, which is not where... It's like where young and like middle class people live, basically. And like yep. so but Hayes Valley is like you're young but you have that four hundred thousand dollar job at Netflix or whatever. And uh-huh. so all of the young people who are super techie and into tech and love food and want to just hang out and talk about funding and all that bullshit, like run into each other there. And I guess because just to your point about vibes, now it's oh crypto is out. 
AI is like the vibe now and we all have to chase AI and be in an AI startup. And then so that is apparently what everyone is talking about in Cerebral Valley right now. Cerebral Cerebral. Valley. (laughs) Fuck up. Um, (laughs) We've talked about it on the pod like multiple times. The seamless transition of people from being crypto obsessed. Obviously, there's the people who are sort of just like straight grind set huckster guys that will just do whatever people are talking about. So totally. that's fine. I, I don't begrudge them. They can, you know, live that Grind life. on. Grind yeah. on, exactly. Get that paper king. <laughs> so that's my um, my angle on, on those guys. But it is very funny to see the seamless sort of like, all right, that was all bunk. But <laughs> there's a new cool thing for me to sink my fingers into. And obviously that will be, at least for the foreseeable future, your open AIs are the ones that are getting all the money and the attention as we try to figure out. where this all slots in. I think it's going to be more like fintech vibe where, you know, you kind of have this central concept, which is, okay, banking is annoying. Transferring money is annoying. It's convoluted. um, It's inefficient. So there definitely is disruption possible here. But you get like 5 billion different stupid apps with Millennial Pink um, and a few cool ones, (laughs) as we said, like Stripe and stuff. You have some big dogs in there. AI, like it feels to me kind of similar, at least in the short term. Like AI is obviously going to make some significant changes. I'm yet to grasp fully like, oh, my God, like the whole world is going to be different in two years. Like I don't really get that. Mm. But like there's going to be obviously some great businesses that come out of this that change the way things are done. But I think especially in the next 24 months and you're going to see like AI for hospitals, AI for law, AI for this, AI for that, AI for creativity, for music, for the this, same and shit. all yeah, these yeah. tiny little things that probably get funded too much. Although, thankfully, it's only at like 30x revenues or whatever. Like <laughs> uh, a reasonable down to earth valuation. Yeah, a reasonable down to earth, unrealistic valuation. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and they're all going to kind of go to shit and there'll be a few key core. Uh, I think you're probably right. That seems to be how it's, how it's coming together. Um, we had the same thing, you know, crypto for healthcare, crypto for everything. Yeah. Web3, Web blah, 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 blah. Although I don't think anything particularly good at all has come out of that as yet. <laughs> you know, I haven't seen a single one that really sticks with I me. I think it's been great for like Signal and Discord communities. Oh, yeah, it's been great yeah. for Discord. <laughs> that is a great story. The biggest benefactor of crypto has been, well, I guess SBF until lately and then Discord, <laughs> basically. Yeah, Discord. Yeah, yeah. Now they've sort of established themselves as a place where people actually do stuff instead of just doing, I don't know, voice chats for League of Legends or whatever it is they were doing before. <laughs> I am on Discord way more. I mean, honestly, like because of the pandemic and because I, I do play video games, I actually have been on Discord like way more than before and realizing how much Slack sucks compared yeah. to Discord, basically. Oh, to- we were talking about it with like Mid Journey and how like using Discord as like a UI basically for whatever business you want or like technology you want, that's actually was a big wow moment. For yeah, me. yeah, yeah. Mm. Like, that was cool. And now Slack will never do that because as if Salesforce (laughs) has any motivation to do cool creative stuff. Yeah. I found myself literally at work with Discord with the mid-journey thing open just so I could kind of see other people creating stuff in mid-journey because it was kind of a cool thing to see what other people are doing. Yeah. So obviously the other um, big sign, I noticed that I assume that the New York Times pulled you off leave to do Twitter reporting. Uh, Was this the- Yes. So I was like, I was I was kind of like oh, I better see what he's been doing. I was like oh he's on leave oh but there's twenty fucking Elon Musk stories here. So did the the grey lady helicopter land on your front lawn and they they were like we're, we're pulling you back in. Yeah. You got to come back one last go one last mission. Yeah it was, it was I mean like look it is also like my stupid self. I've been reporting on tech since 2010 and like 
fortunately or unfortunately or whatever, a lot of that has been Twitter and Facebook in the, those days. And so, like, sources were just coming out of the woodwork. And so part of it, I was like, well, I got to throw in. And then I finally was like, I am working and not getting paid and not writing my book. So I need to, like, figure something <laughs> out. And I got them to pay me. But, like, but it was it was definitely, like... I mean, it's a huge fucking story. Like, that's the yeah, thing. Yeah. It's like, I couldn't... Oh, we talked about it ad nauseum. <laughs> yeah, the audience, they were demanding more Twitter stories. We, we didn't want to give it to them. But, you know, it is, it is large, unfortunately. A part of me resents that it sucks all the air out of the room all the time, if that makes sense. Like, part of me is just like... And I hate doing the Trump illusion, but it was just sort of like, this is all I'm thinking about and talking about all the time, and I wish there were other things. But I'm glad that it's starting to... The ball needs to be kicked forward in a different way lately, I guess. I think like after Christmas and things are starting to slow down. The bar isn't as low as it was before where everyone was writing fucking everything that happened, you know? Yeah, it it seems to have really fallen off. Obviously, they sacked a huge number of people. I guess you were probably getting a huge amount of material from people who were... Um, being fired and, and laid yeah, off and what have you. For sure. Obviously, there was a lot of like, we were talking about this on the podcast, sort of like apocalyptic stuff like Twitter's, the servers are about to yep. you know, explode, the company's going to be gone in two weeks, <laughs> yeah. be done. To the surprise of no one, it still managed to like kick along yep. as as these things do. What's the thinking from, I mean, the, A, the people that are left, what's the kind of like vibe at Twitter? Yeah. But you know, it's funny, I'm looking back. So the night that everyone was like doing their goodbyes on Twitter for us, it was nighttime. I don't know if uh, it was probably like midday for you. That was in the middle of the day, which made it even more unsavory. (laughs) Why is everyone tweeting like a psychopath? Yeah, exactly. It's like I'm at at work. Like, (laughs) but these people are like locked themselves in their duddies and with a glass of whiskey, and they're like, "Let's go, we're going down." It was definitely end of the world vibes on Twitter that night. Yeah. It surprised me. So I was offline when a lot of it started ramping up because I was sourcing. There was actually like a goodbye. People at Twitter got fired that day and there was like a goodbye gathering thing. And I just like crashed it and it was fruitful, actually. But like I got back online after that and everyone was like ready to like sign off, you know, and like it was funny because my sources after that were telling me like, look, there's nothing like on fire you know, like the feeling of it going down any minute kind of just gained momentum organically, weirdly, like on, mm-hmm. like social media kind of fed in on itself and created this. But I think you're just going to see a jankified experience over time. And like, but like, that's the other thing, too, like is like, do you need there are legitimate questions that go hand in hand with this time in tech, which is like how many employees do you need to work on a thing? You know, was Facebook or Google or whoever, were they bloated or overhiring for a long time? You know, they're saying they overhired. And there's like different ways of doing that. And then there's the Elon way, which is this fucking indiscriminately fire everyone you think doesn't matter, which is probably not the way to go, you know? <laughs> no, totally. No, totally. Yeah. It is definitely jankified. Like it's, it's significantly worse in functionality than it was a while ago. I mean, it went. It was completely offline in Australia for like sixteen hours. Was it really? Fine, you know. It was. Yeah, yeah. This was like last week. It was probably I, lovely on there. Like, and it was literally just say. after he made the tweet where he was like, "Oh, I, I unplugged one of the servers." And obviously, he was he was joking. But then, literally, like a day after he said that, Twitter went down in Australia for like sixteen hours, uh, and no one could go on it. Yeah, but that stuff, you know, the plumbing, 
Like, actually, though, you don't need a 1,000 people, right, to, like, be keeping Twitter going. No, I mean, I mean it kicks along regardless, you it know. It kicks along. A lot of this stuff, all the people that set it up so it could kick along have been fired, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> right. I imagine, but now, you know, their great work lives on. Well, there's people working 23 <laughs> hours a day or whatever, seven days a week on frigging visas probably, like, just trying to get to the bottom of every little jankification and fix it up. Do you have any <laughs> speculating wildly? Yeah. How does this end? Oh, my God. Like I, 12 months, 12 months forward from now, like what's happened? My guess is I think he's a dog that caught the car. I think he mm. fucking hates being in charge and complaint officer in chief because like he enjoyed being the like, you know, billionaire jester that everyone was like, oh, damn, Elon is like tweeting this wild stuff. And like now he's on Saturday Night Live and now he made Dogecoin jump off or whatever, you know, and yeah. now he's like the guy in charge. And yeah. all the things you hate about Twitter go to him and all the right wing people have turned on him and say, oh, this is why my terrible tweets aren't getting traction is because the algorithm is banning me or whatever, you know. I think he's going to get tired of that. And I think he rightly realized that he overpaid for something that he bought on an impulse and tried to get out of it and couldn't. And so my guess is he sells it at a loss within two years. <laughs> that would be yeah. my guess. But I would be happy to eat my words if, if the hidden genius of his social media prowess comes out and he is able to turn it around over the yeah. next two years. Yeah, and we're ordering Ubers through there. We're buying like NFTs, games and everything. It's the everything app. It's the everything app. We right. bank on there. Yeah, hold us some food like, and stuff. Subscribe should, to my toothpaste subscription. You should do the Venmo <laughs> thing where you buy something with the Twitter card and then it just posts to your feed what you bought. <laughs> yeah, social shopping. That was a big thing actually as well. Remember like social shopping apps in the boom? Because obviously they're big in China and yeah. one of one of my first businesses, Soso, was like this pet food subscription. Mm. We launched and two weeks in, the samples just went like through the roof because huh. we were posted on this thing called the Red Book. Not the little Red Book, but like a Red Book. <laughs> We're really big and under Mao, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but which is one of these social shopping apps where you basically just post like, here's a product I bought and like, here's my review of it, which is mm. kind of huge or whatever, blah, blah, blah. It was posted on there and went crazy. But remember like a couple of years ago, like this was the thing that there was like a little startup craze of social shopping and yeah. live stream. There are still companies, I, I believe, like getting funding and stuff that are like these live stream shopping apps that we're all going to be on every mm. day, which again, like my kind of... RAF radar, I won't say bullshit radar, but like my RAF radar or much like with NFTs and stuff, it's just like, mm, that doesn't sound good. Like like going to <laughs> dance parties in the metaverse and stuff, like when it's like, and you the take radar. at home, like with headphones on, like, and you, is that what we, like, is that what, are, we gonna, are we going to be doing that? Like, but yeah, the social live shopping thing, that was another yeah. one that I was just like, is this a, like, do we want to do this? We want to sit on our phones and watch the same as those late night TV like ads. There's, well, yeah, that's uh, it. I feel like there's always companies and VCs and investors, whatever, salivating over the idea of like, what if we could do all that crazy shit they do in China? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Like, literally, that's the pitch of like, the founder, right? Like, like they, they live their entire lives. You know, they pay for car insurance on WeChat. What if we could do that shit? <laughs> and I never really, because we talked about this in the pod. It's like, I feel like, you know, <laughs> the Western mind. <laughs> <laughs> Is more that you know, you talked about the sense of like we're more into like the branding side of things. Yeah. We have one cool brand that does this and that. No, I totally I feel like they have fetishized it forever, basically. Like and you see each CEO make his pilgrimage to China and then be like, Oh my god, we gotta turn this into like WeChat. That's what we gotta do, you know? What's his name? Evan Spiegel did that, Zuckerberg obviously did that for a long time. 
I, maybe it's just the rugged individualism of us Westerners who just don't want one thing, but we refuse to be tamed into one app, I guess. Facebook did try. You're right. Yeah. And the, the end result was that, like, Facebook's app was just crammed full of shit. Buttons that you'd never yep. pressed, never even <laughs> contemplated pressing, yeah. weren't even really presented to you in a way that you might want to press it in the future. <laughs> but now I use it as I use Facebook for Marketplace exclusively. Like, I basically have a clean account that I'm just used for Marketplace. Like, and I rock up and I pay cash, get it out of the cake tin. Yep. I bought a, a beautiful little playset just yesterday. I had to use the roof racks for the first time in my life. For you. I had to get the YouTube out to like work out how to put this massive playset for the kids, like strap it down. We got home slowly, 40Ks an hour. We just there you cr- go. You could write about that in the book. So <laughs> you, could, you could have a chapter and just say, Facebook has had a few wins. And they just, and they just describe that. The <laughs> rack radar. Went off positively. <laughs> Raf Radar, two thumbs up yeah. on Facebook Marketplace for 50 buck child play equipment. It's great. No, but they're not making money. Obviously, they assume that somehow you're going to start putting it into your Facebook wallet or something like that, and they take a percentage like eBay, blah, 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 blah. But are people going to do that? Maybe. Their commerce stuff is really sort of, uh, I mean, just today they killed shopping on Instagram, I think. Yep. I saw a headline and like, they seem to be really paring back on a lot of stuff. Before, I was talking to someone about this, and before Mark would make everything was a top priority, right? And they could afford to make that happen because they had just unlimited money. And now top priority actually means something different, meaning like they have to pare back the things that they can't, that they don't have the capacity or the bandwidth or the money to do, basically. And projects are actually getting killed, which... You know, like you could argue that can be a good thing. Like focus can be a good thing for companies and like pain totally. creates like ingenuity that you didn't necessarily have to have before. So I think there are VCs who are positing and I kind of agree with this is, is like these cycles can create good things as well. Just it's a different lens to do it, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. All the, I mean, it's a point it gets made a million times, but like, you know, companies like Facebook sort of got big really large and huge and whatever after the GFC. Yep. A lot of like the kind of companies like Uber, again, that's sort of in the wake of the GFC. And a lot of those companies have not really been, A, a lot of them have not even gotten close to as big as what Facebook is mm. in the years since. But a lot of the stuff that we still use today was sort of made in that 2009 through to 2013, yeah. say, period. And nothing since then has really hit on the same level. My problem with focus, and maybe I'm making it, too specific. Mm. If you want a company that focuses on one specific thing and does it really well, then then it can't be a hundred billion dollar company. It can't, mm. you know, it, it yeah. can't IPO at a hundred billion. It's just going to be a nice business that hires a bunch of employees and makes a profit for shareholders and owners and pays people well and creates value for. <laughs> that the sounds like shit. Awful. <laughs> <laughs> like. It's just going to be that, a boring old business that is not sexy and won't get investment. But now you need you need to be the everything. App. You have to be the everything. You've got, you got to do everything. And it's the death of most things. Like Dropbox was a fantastic folder that was synced to the cloud, but it couldn't just be that. It had to be everything. It's not big enough. Yeah, yeah. So now, now it has like a Dropbox calendar and Dropbox documents oh and stuff. God. Again, things I've never even once been tempted to click on. It's unusable and I pay for it. I don't know what yeah, I do. Yeah, me too. I still, I still pay for a pay subscription for Dropbox, even though it's highly unpleasant to use these days. Yep. But that's the problem with the incentives of VC in general is that yes. yeah, you can't just be a nice business. 
And by the way, you can't just be a nice business that is good for 20 years. Like this is, I'm on a rant now. I'm on a tear. No, no, please. Hear me. Hear me. Like, rant zone. This rant. idea that like it's the worst thing in the world. It's an epic failure if a company starts to lose money and growth slows down. It's tragic. It's embarrassing. It's tragic. Like yep. it's bad when it's like, why is that bad? Like it employed people for a length of time. It provided lots of value. It's no longer quite providing that, but it's slowly decreasing the amount of revenue it makes. It's slowly decreasing employees who move on to other things. And yep. it was great for a period of time. And now it's gone. Like no one died. No right. one got sick. No one got hurt. It was, it was good. <laughs> I, it was I, a good thing. You can't have that. You have to make the metaverse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You have to like go out in a blaze of glory. You have to fire 50,000 people to cut costs. Yeah. You have to be like a huge ape man in the metaverse. That's the only way to fix these problems. Well, I think about this a lot. Really, I thought about it in the context of when we started, when the tech press started having to kind of become political tech press and like Facebook and social networks and democracy and sort of like what good doing well versus not doing well meant, you know, and like for a very long time, I think, and still now, the yardstick was, are you profitable did you raise at X valuation? Are you going up and up and up? You know, and it's like very growth centric. I mean, these are probably basic tenets of capitalism in general, but this was the sort of yardstick. And that was how media sort of saw, that was the lens through which we sort of mm -hmm. graded this stuff. And I think it's right to question, <laughs> does that have to be the only lens we're doing that? You know, like, mm. what is a healthy business? Does it mean that you're paying all your workers and you're not exploiting, you know, a bunch of people? Does it mean that you can afford to operate and do things that you find interesting or good? That's great, you know, but it's it goes back again to your point. Incentives of VC, because a 2x hit is nothing. A 2x hit is a failure. You need 100x or go home. And it goes back to like market incentives, you know, and like what you're trading on and like what your sort of multiple should be on revenue. And it's got to be tech multiples and huge stuff. So it's all just, it's it's the system, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. <laughs> no, no, totally. Like share price has to go up. You can't just be sitting on a nice dividend every year. That's not enough. Like yep. there's got to be buybacks. Etc. Which you know, I get it. The whole thing set up. I mean, the whole thing. We need GDP go up. <laughs> GDP, GDP go must up. go up. GDP yeah. go up. Yeah, my four hundred one k is telling me to shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> this actually kind of folds into you've talked about the sort of vibe a little bit on, on the ground in Facebook. Sure. What your sense of this massive pivot that they're sort of undergoing? How is that going to turn out? Do you think? And like, I guess the other the other half of it is that are they going to let their lunch get devoured by TikTok? on the mm. Facebook and Instagram side while they shoot off into virtual universes or whatever? Like, how, <laughs> what do you think? What's the final chapter of the book? <laughs> <laughs> Epilogue. It's, it's, it's Zuckerberg chilling in the metaverse. No, I think it's, here's where I will give them credit. So I'm not, I will, I've admittedly, and I would tell Mark this, I'd tell anyone this, that I'm not like, an avowed VR person and like have not immediately fallen. Like, this is just not me. And some people really enjoy it or whatever, you know? And I find it interesting in that I put on a headset and I'm like, oh, this is pretty crazy and cool, but like, it is not like a part of my life in a meaningful way. <laughs> mm. And I find that that hurdle, and I'm a fucking tech reporter, right? So, like, I find that hurdle for most people is gonna be really high. Unless you, A, get them, I guess, while they're young and habituate them to sort of some sort of use of it or make the sort of barriers to entry much, 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 much lower. And I think tech thinking, tech thinking is always 
the tech is going to be there. Just give it more time. You know, like in a few years, we're going to be down to X. It's going to be in these glasses. It's going to be. But like, I'm just very skeptical on timelines or even like within people's lifetimes if some of these things are going to to happen. And one thing I will say is like the illusion they keep making is, you know, we made the shift to the smartphone. We can sort of navigate this shift to the AR and metaverse. And in that use case, they were sort of following behavior rather than trying to change human behavior, essentially, you know? And like, I think it's really hard to predict the next computing platforms and really even force the next computing platforms in ways that that can be prescriptive. And like they are trying. And if any company has a shot because of the amount of cash, or the amount of money that they have, like, let's say that they have a shot. And I will hand it to him that like, this is probably the biggest swing he's ever taken. Like I can at least give him props for taking totally. a big swing. Yeah. Do I think a lot of it's goofy? Yes. But at the same time, like you're going for broke and like that's admirable in a way, you know? Yeah. We probably want that. No one else is going to fund yes. it as much or to the extent that he is. You make an interesting point about like forcing technology. Like I can't actually think of a technology that was kind of forced. I mean, TikTok's not a platform in the, the scale of VR or the smartphone. They obviously spent shitloads on advertising in order to like sure. get people to install the app. But compared to, yeah, like the smartphone, these things were immediately valuable. And yep. like AI is the same. It's like you can immediately be like, oh, I can see some uses for this. This is kind of immediately valuable, which saying that again, crypto, but VR is the same thing. It's like, oh, this is cool, but the iPhone sold itself. Yeah, you're like, you wanted it. You're like, that's cool. It's the same sort of paradigm as what I'm currently working in, except clearly better. Yeah. Yep. And then, you know, even Apple kind of had to be dragged into like, realizing how good certain things were. You know, they didn't have an app store. Yeah, the app store. They had to be, like, basically told, actually, we want to use it for this shit. We want to use it more. Apple's always the one being like, no, you can't do that. (laughs) You can't do that on the phone. But VR, they haven't been like, yeah. It's been out forever, and I just haven't had the urge to... I want to check my phone now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Head slip? (laughs) (laughs) I think they're looking for that killer app and, like makes it like exactly what you said that makes it obvious or like this is immediately valuable to me and i think that's also why they're kind of homing in on work stuff you know because yeah. that is a little less abstract than like play and games and things like that yeah, you know, yeah. they could be like we talked about this before but the, you know you see the the app where you you're in vr and you have like five screens or whatever yep and you can do work on it and you can go to keyboard there whatever you look at that and you go uh yeah i can kind of see that <laughs> being okay uh, but like you know. workshops and stuff like that is something if we're moving to a world where yeah everyone's remote and we got devs over here and product managers over here like we'll be present in the room on the whiteboard and i'll be able to actually draw the lines and the bubbles and everyone yells out their ideas i get that i get dream. It, but the extent of my enthusiasm is if my boss made me do this exactly that's what i'm saying <laughs> i wouldn't i wouldn't quit that's why i think it's- <laughs> Probably the most I might likely. Be, I, might, I might be okay with this. That is deeply inspiring. I don't know if I would. I just, I just come on, just send me an email. Just send me an email. <laughs> and then TikTok, the other side of your question, though, what it like? How does it play out with TikTok? Does it get banned? Yeah. I think, I think it probably, I think it, it could. I mean, there's always been a chatter. You're, you're closer to Washington than we are, like <laughs> oh, geographically. The, the, I don't know if you're actually <laughs> physically correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I got some numbers. <laughs> I think there's real momentum. Like, it used to just be Republicans sort of yelling about um, China and 
just sort of railing against spyware app. And but I think there's actual. I mean, they banned it from government devices, I believe. I think there's more momentum than there was previously on this. But I also think any administration that did it would be deeply unpopular with also with people that they care about not pissing off, I guess, if that makes sense. You know, meeting yeah. the younger electorate. But um, a few years ago, I would have been like, what? And now I'm I'm like, that might actually happen. I think it's also like this really fascinating dynamic with like tech and Zuckerberg is trying to position this as like a tech nationalism thing where Americans shouldn't be beating Facebook's ass. They should be lining up behind it because we're going to get whipped by China and TikTok if we're not doing that, you know? Yeah. And I, tech I nationalism. Put, put on that headset, yeah. buddy. Yeah. <laughs> and salute the flag. <laughs> like, yeah. like a 3D animated GIF type flag in the, in the metaverse. That could be cool. You turn into a bald eagle. Yeah, yeah. Oh, see? Great. That's an amazing story. Uh, well, look, power to him. And as you said, I'm glad someone's giving a crack, I suppose. Even though after the, the Joe Rogan interview, um, the podcast, I feel like he does actually hate his life. <laughs> he had that quote where he was like, every time I wake up in the morning, it feels like I've been punched in the stomach. <laughs> <laughs> and I, He was kind of like referring to the fact that he has to deal with the slings and arrows of the the vultures in the press, such as yourself, Mike, obviously. Yes. You know, people making his life difficult. But, you know, it did come across as a little bit deeper than that. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's not, like, a, not how you want to wake up. No. Did you, um, you haven't spoken to him personally, have you? It's been a while. Not for okay. the book. I don't know if he's going to cooperate. I think there's an interesting dynamic now in the Valley where – I mean, I think everyone kind of hates the New York Times and tech anyway, but I think uh-huh. uh, I think mainstream media in particular is it's not just Elon saying screw the mainstream media. I think a lot more tech moguls are averse to the Times, the Journal, Bloomberg, the Post, like in a way that I that I feel like is more prevalent than folks would suspect. Let's Go talk ahead. about that, like the yeah. all-in podcast and everything, that like, <laughs> actively yes. saying don't talk to journalists. If you're a founder, yep. like it's only bad. Yeah. What is doing? <laughs> what, what, what happened? <laughs> I mean, like, like my, my theory on it is like this has happened at a convenient time where a lot of these people have invested heavily in the tales of crypto and also like promoted SPACs and basically all these things that have gone to zero. And they've mm. all these people who listen to the frigging podcast, they've probably like wrecked a bunch of them. Not that the people listening to podcasts really realize and they don't like the stories being written about that. But I guess the flip side would be as a podcaster, we also happen to f- focus on the negative a fair bit. Oh, gets yeah. the eyeballs. Anyway, what's the vibe? My vibe was like, they don't like having to answer questions like, hey, how come you said that crypto was good and like SPACs are good? <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, well, I yes, I think that's abs- I mean, some of this is not original, but I think they're pissed off about some of the whiplash around 2016 and beyond and tech suddenly becoming the, the root of all evil, which I also don't yep. think is true. But I think it is a reckoning for lots of glowing coverage, including for myself and for other people for a long period of time. Right. Like and I think the way the way that that let's say mainstream media viewed tech was like look at these kids in hoodies in Silicon Valley doing these wild and wacky things, right? And that narrative is sexy. That narrative attracted more people into tech in the first place because it was like this combination of you can be a nerd and create amazing things and make tons of money doing it, right? And like, that's a cool thing now. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg years ago made that cool again or whatever, or made that cool for the first time. And 
now it's all of a sudden is actually you have destroyed the world. Fuck you. <laughs> uh, and you piece like, of th- shit. Yeah. You tricked me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think they are tired of that. I think they don't like getting asked some of the questions like you were saying, you know, and, 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 you know, like to your point, Raph just sort of like, they're like, well, does it, everything have to be a single ne- a negative view on X, Y, and Z? You know, are there different ways of like looking at something with more optimism or at least less cynicism, which I don't think is entirely unreasonable. Like, I do think that you can look at possibilities in tech companies with like a, a view of like, well, what's possible here, you know, and not necessarily mm. have to do a takedown on every single story. But I think mm. this is a reaction to... Uh, that. that, if that makes sense. How does I mean, if you can say, like, how does the Times think about this? Because obviously, sure. the New York Times is sort of like the one of the big baddies for these people. Oh, a totally. lot of, like they consider you, you. I'm pointing at you in an aggressive <laughs> way on the screen for the listeners at home. Uh, and I saw there's a, there was a bunch of discourse on Twitter about it. it's like the New York Times are the ones that led the charge for like considering the tech industry sort of like a power center in society that needed to be interrogated. Which personally, I don't think is that is not wrong way to approach things because it sure. obviously is a power center no matter which way you do approach it. Sure. But obviously, yes, the New York Times have become kind of like the target of that kind of anger. Has it changed the way that editorially they, they approach things? You, you talked about, mm. oh, maybe we could think about things in terms of what's possible. Is yeah. that just your personal view? Is that kind of like institutional? Do they actually think about this at an editor's level? I think that's my personal view. I, ju- okay. I think that like this is just how I think about it because – I mean, look, I think it's a good thing that the Times recognized Silicon Valley as a power center. Like, I think writing them off as like whiz-bang kids in the valley doing crazy things is a very facile way of looking at one of the most important generators of wealth and just an economic engine of probably the future that we've seen in throughout mm, human history, let's say. So I think that change is a positive thing. I also think that there's probably going to be some course correction in like you can still like cover things with skepticism and cautious optimism, perhaps, depending on like what you want to do. There are still people who want to write like Wired Magazine articles, like what Wired Magazine started out as. Right. And so I think there's room for that and you can do that. But I also think that like they have soured on all of the the media because because they feel like it's unilaterally negative, and I don't think that's that has to be the case. And um, yep. but I don't know. It's like a weird culture war now around it too, like just yeah, media in general. You know, and I guess part of it is they think now they have their own platforms to talk about whatever. Yes, they've got their weird little podcasts and Substacks and you know Twitter, and they can communicate directly. You know, the but, celebrities, influencers. Yeah, exactly. But mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. I don't know if that actually they're still not tastemakers, and I think that is it rankles them. You haven't seen yeah. Dripped Out VC's Twitter account? <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Sure, I, I have seen it. <laughs> what <laughs> is it? I have not seen that. <laughs> it's Dripped Out VC's. Okay. They're dripped got out. It. <laughs> <laughs> got it. I mean, what, what else is there to say? <laughs> yeah, uh, pretty for the foreseeable future, you know, I, th- I think it does kind of rankle a bit. The New York Times still kind of like calls it, you're an elite publication, you know? You have a view from above. Yeah. It's very hard to beat that. They yeah, still like, should be proud. We're positive. We're positive. We're bullish on Microsoft Teams. Big fan. <laughs> uh, Stripe said it. Uh, was there anything else we're bullish on? Adam Newman's new thing. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we're, we're, yeah. we're extremely positive about that. Yeah. <laughs> For no really reason. bullish on that. Graph recommends. 
Yeah, yeah right, recommend. Exactly. The Raphite <laughs> is giving is flashing thumbs up for <laughs> yeah. Adam Newman's weird blockchain thing. Do you want to give us one positive then to uh, end us out? What's on your uh, two thumbs up list? Oh, man. For 2023 in the world uh, of tech. Two God. thumbs up from Michael Isaac. Two thumbs up from... Uh, <laughs> I'm happy to co-sign in advance. <laughs> no, but I, I completely co-sign whatever you're about to say. So, Well, this is going to be a boring answer, but I do think okay. there is... So the things that I chase just journalistically are like things that I feel open up or affect different parts of our world that already sort of exist in different ways. And so like I, I know everyone's chasing AI and stuff right now, but now we're seeing the first applied AI that people can actually understand and internalize versus like this nebulous concept of smart you know, systems or intelligent data is going to change the world, but like people didn't really understand it, right? And like that combined with natural language processing models, I don't know what the limits of that are. And, and obviously, it's going to be a long period of time. But it's exciting in the sense that this is like crazy and weird and kind of scary, you know. And so yeah, yeah. I don't know if I would say two thumbs up, but I would say like two so, eyebrows. Mike raised. Isaac, two thumbs up to him getting automated out of a job. <laughs> he loves it. He's just going to kick back for the rest of his life. Exactly. Yeah. The beach and Tulum or something. No, just chatting, just chatting to bots for the rest of our life. Definitely two thumbs up to that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I co-sign. But smart ones. Yeah. <laughs>